My name is Ross Anderson. I'm one of our teaching pastors here at Alpine Church, and uh, we're in this series called In Case You Missed It. We're looking at a couple of stories from the Old Testament and connecting the dots with the bigger theme, the larger picture, and the story of the whole, that runs through the whole Bible together. And so today, I wonder, do you have an issue in your life now or in the past where you go, man, I just really need to know what God wants? What does God want me to do? I've got this question. I need God's guidance. I, I just need God to, to speak to me somehow, to tell me what to do. So, I mean, Sally and I got plenty of those issues in our life, as we all do, you know, right? So we're, we're approaching retirement. We're praying about, God, we want your guidance about when is that supposed to happen? How is that supposed to happen? What should we be doing with our lives in the next phase? And, and we spend a lot of time um, asking God's direction, praying about our relationship with, with our adult children. We're going like, when should we help them? How should we help them? Uh, should we help them at all, you know, in, uh, in financially or in vice or, or whatever? So, so we're always asking God's guidance. And, and you have your issues too, I know, where you're just seeking God to say, man, I just wish God would, would let me know with great clarity. I wish God would like send me a text or something or, or, or give me a call, you know, or put it in, the, in neon lights in the sky or something like that. But I want to encourage you that that God does guide, that I believe very, very strongly that God does give direction into our lives, and he does it through his word. We'll talk about that in a minute through the Bible. But also, I believe that God guides our lives in intimate, personal, inner, you could call subjective ways that he, that he speaks to us, and we can hear from him. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So maybe you've heard people talk about how um, you know, God told me such and such a thing, or, or, I, or, or God spoke to my heart about such and such a thing. So we're going to explore today from the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 3 what it means to hear from God. Now, when people usually use that terminology, they don't mean they heard audibly from God, like, you know, a voice. What the tradition of the church, historically, as you read what's happened in, the, in history of, of Christianity is sometimes, the, <clears throat> more often people have a sense from God. Uh, writers have talked about getting a burden laid on their heart from God or, or having um, a nudge from God or a prompting from God where you, you sense that there's a still small voice speaking to your spirit, speaking within. You have thoughts and, and, and uh, impressions that come that, that you, you don't think really could have come from you, that maybe they came from God. And so that's what we're going to explore today. Now, approaching this, we have to have discernment, a lot of discernment, because we have to be able to tell the difference whether that was something that God was saying to me, and so I need to put it into practice, or was that just something that I'm talking to myself, right? I made that up in my own mind because it's what I want to happen, and I need to reject that, right? So that's what we're exploring today in this uh, message. We're calling it Samuel and the Voice. So... <clears throat> Old Testament uh, character named Samuel. We're going to look at him as a boy in 1 Samuel 3. Samuel grew up to be one of the most significant prophets of the whole Old Testament. Um, but when he was young, he had an experience where he actually literally heard from God. God spoke to him in that audible voice. And, um, and so we're going to explore what that means today for us, if it means uh, what it meant, what it means for us. So here, here's an underlying principle as we go into this whole series, and especially today, that we don't 
derive our theology or our doctrine from stories of the Bible, from what we would call narrative passages. So we have to test those because the question is, whenever you read a story of the Bible, is that particular or is it universal? In other words, is this just something that happened in Samuel's life and so it's unique to him? Or is this something that's normative for, for all the rest of us or not? So you have to ask that question. And one way we go about determining that is we look at this topic or issue from the rest of the Scripture and see what the rest of the Bible has to say, in particular, what we call the didactic passages. Those are the passages that offer instruction or teaching. So we put the narrative passages and the didactic passages side by side to see if there is a larger pattern that is normative for all of us. And so with that in mind, let's look at um, some of the background of Samuel's story. I want to just kind of give you the backstory a little bit so you understand when we get into the passage and talk about the particular issue. First of all, Samuel was a miracle child. Hannah, his mom, in 1 Samuel 1, made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow, answer my prayer and give me a son, then I'll give him back to you. He'll be yours for his entire lifetime. Sa Hannah was not able to bear children. And so like, like for, for many, that was a real struggle emotionally for her. She cried out to God. And she said, God, you know what? If you were to give me a child, I'll, I'll just dedicate him to you for, for the rest of, of his life. And then God gave her Samuel. Samuel was born. And so in response to that, then Samuel assisted Eli in the temple. Eli, one of the key characters in the story, was the leading chief priest. Um, and he was um, a judge. Like, he, he made decisions for people. He took their offerings and so forth. He was a, this head uh, religious uh, and civil leader in, in the ancient world. So Hannah says, I asked the Lord to give me this boy. He's granted my request. Now I'm giving him to the Lord, and he'll belong to the Lord his whole life. And the boy served the Lord by assisting Eli, the priest. So Eli is like his mentor. He's like a surrogate father for him growing up, helping him in the temple. And then the next thing you need to know in the backstory that Eli's sons were worthless priests. Now they were priests too. It was a family deal, right? But um, Eli's sons abused their position for their own gain. They were living in sin. So now the sons of Eli were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord or for their duties as priests. But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest. And so we wanna, they want to make sure that we understand there's this, this contrast between Eli's uh, biological sons and Samuel like his adopted son. And then leading up to the story for today, chapter 3, God spoke audibly to Samuel. So one night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God, and suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. Now, <clears throat> Samuel didn't know who he was hearing. He didn't know it was God talking to him. He thought it was Eli. You read in the next verse, he thought Eli was calling out to him. And so <clears throat> Samuel's experience there and his confusion kind of leads us to our core idea for today. How can we know if we're really hearing from God? So I believe that, again, that, that God can speak and does speak to us personally, intimately, um, individually, in our heart, in our spirit, you could say. But that can be really confusing because it might not be very clear. It might not be obvious what God is trying to say. It might be a little bit murky. And again, I have to kind of disengage that from maybe my own feelings and my own thoughts about things. So it can be confusing. But you can also see how the potential this has for being abused. 
Right? That's why Jesus warned in Matthew 7. He warned against false prophets. And in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 2, there's a warning there. It says, anybody, uh, be careful about anybody who has like a, a dream or, or some revelation that they say is from God, but, they, but, they, but, but it's false. They're going to lead you astray. I mean, even well-meaning Christians can sometimes get this, like it can be used, I think, in some circles as a trump card to say, you know what, the Lord told me. And so it's kind of controlling over other people. And so when you receive, you, you might, it might be from God, a thought, an impression, a feeling, a sense from God, then we don't want to just throw the baby out with the bathwater, but we have to test it. Is that really from God and it needs to be followed, or is it just my own wishful thinking? And in this story in Samuel, we learn three tests that we can evaluate the things that God might be saying to us. So we're going to look at those three tests. Number one is the Bible. Does the message, that is the thing that I, I sense God might be saying to me, does that match up with what God had already spoken? Okay, so back to the story of Samuel. In, in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, In those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. So Samuel hears this voice. He did not know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So at different times, God has spoken in different ways, and ultimately in, in our day, he's spoken through his son Jesus, and that's reflected through his, his spoken, he's spoken to us through the Bible. So Samuel, as a boy here, he had never had a message from the Lord before. But it's fair to say, you and I have. Even if we've never heard a voice, you and I have the written scriptures, and so for us today, we have the voice of God, we have the message of God in black and white, in clear uh, form for us. Now, this is one, one reason that today is different from back in Samuel's day, because back in those days, the average Old Testament believer did not have access to the written scriptures. People just didn't have, like, you know, now today, look, I've, I've got hundreds of Bible translations on my phone. And we, we have huge access to the written scriptures. So we have this word of God that he's already spoken to us in a clear, objective form. And so we see that in the New Testament. For 2 Timothy, you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they're true, for you, have, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the holy scriptures from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ. So here's the underlying principle that, of this test, and that is that God is not going to contradict himself. God is not going to say one thing in his written word and tell you something different to your heart or to your spirit, right? So that's why this is the first test. He says in, there in verse 14 yeah, that we're called to remain faithful to the things that we've already been taught in the Bible. So no personal word from God or or. or voice from God in our lives, it can, needs to be allowed to, uh, for us to become unfaithful to the things that we've already taught. So the Bible becomes then the final authority. The Bible is the primary way that God speaks into our lives. When I open the pages and I read what he, what he said and his Holy Spirit makes that alive to me and the Holy Spirit speaks through the printed words on the page into my life. Because the Bible is clear where what we, the impressions that we receive might be murky or confusing. The Bible came first, 
And so it has the, the, press, the precedence, the priority of time. And then also the Bible stands outside of our own individual experiences. So the Bible is objective, not subjective like our experiences are. So that's why we turn there first to say here's the test of <clears throat> what God is going to say. Is God speaking to me? Let's test it against Scripture. Now, I know there's a lot of uh, cases in life where the Bible doesn't speak in black and white, and you and I have a decision to make about some issue in life, like where should I go to school? Should I take some time off of school? What, what uh, subject should I study? What career should I enter? Should I take this new job that's been offered to me? Should I move? Where should I live? You know, personal life issues like that. Ministry life issues like, like where should I serve God? What ministry team should I be involved in? Who should I mentor? What miss a missionary should I contribute to? Life phase of life issues like when should I retire and what should that look like? We all face those issues and I don't think there's a necessarily a verse in the Bible that you're going to open and say, oh, there's the answer to your question. You should be a biology major, right? But then the Bible still rules, it's still the test because I'm going to ask in my personal decision and my sense of leading from God, how does it relate to these broad general principles of, of Scripture? Does it violate some general principle of Scripture, or does it cohere with some general principle of Scripture? Because the very next verse, we read that all Scripture is inspired by God. It comes from Him. He's the source. So yes, God does speak today. He speaks through His Word, number one. Now what that means in practice is that you and I really, if we want to hear from God in our lives, we really need to immerse ourselves in Scripture. We really need to get to know the Bible. Spend time there. Because here, here's my, one of the things I've learned in life is that if I want to hear from God in my personal subjective life, if I want to hear from him, then I have to know what his voice sounds like by getting to know it in the pages of his word. So that if I'm familiar with the voice of God in his word, then I'm more likely to be able to hear it and make sense of it when he speaks to me in, in my heart, in my spirit. So we need to really spend time digging in and, and spending, uh, uh, immersing ourselves in the written word of God if we want to be able to hear from God on those other issues of life. That's test number one, is the Bible. But again, so here, so here you are, you've got a decision that you're making, you've prayed about it, you've read the scriptures about it, the Bible, you're not sure if there's an answer there, or, or if you've heard from God, and then, or maybe you sense God leading you in a certain direction, and the Bible isn't totally clear about that, so th then the next test comes into play. Test number two is other believers. Do other trustworthy followers of Jesus affirm the message to me? And so, so Samuel... We read a minute ago, it said, you know, he, had, he did not know the Lord because he hadn't heard uh, a message from God before. And so when God spoke to him, he, he didn't know what, what that was. He didn't know what to make of that. So he went to Eli to help him figure out what was happening in his, in his life that night. And so the Lord called a third time. So three times it happened. And once more, Samuel got up and he went to Eli here I am, did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy, so he said to Samuel, go lie down again. If someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. So there's this confusing thing in Samuel's life. He doesn't really know what to make of it. He doesn't know how to interpret it. And so he goes to his mentor. He goes to his spiritual father, 
and asks for him to help him make sense. And Eli helps him make sense of what God is saying to him. I think that works for us too. That you and I have the privilege, if we have an impression from God, we think God might be leading a certain way, that, that it's really wise to go to somebody, somebody who knows the scriptures, somebody who knows you, and ask them for their input on what I think I might be hearing from God. Now, this is really part of a general principle in the Bible for everything. And Proverbs 19 says, get all the advice and instruction you can. So you'll be wise the rest of your life. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. So that's true in everything, right? But, but especially when you're hearing, you think you're hearing from God, then go get all the advice and instruction you can. Go to someone that you trust who can help you make sense. And now, who is that person for you? Maybe there's an, an issue where you say, man, I, I just need to go talk to the pastor about that. But more than likely, you probably get great input just in your small group. They'll bring it up in the people in your small group, and, and they can help you sort out what God might be saying to you. Or it could be a, a trusted, mature Christian friend. Or it could be a mentor that you have. The point is, is that God gives us these people for a purpose, and it's really wise. If I really want to hear from God, I really need to go test it against what somebody else thinks and, what, and what the, how they can make sense out of it with me. Now, what's going to happen then is that that person you go to, and you might go, go to more than one. It might be wise to get more than one perspective. But that person you go to is going to say, you know what? I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to read this, the scripture myself. And you know what? You come back to you and say, you know, that totally makes sense. I really affirm that, that that's, that's probably from God. Or the person could say, you know what? I'm going to challenge you on that a little bit. It sounds a lot like that's what you really want to happen. And, and maybe that's just coming from you. Or that goes against what the scripture says. You know, uh, when, when you sense God telling you, leading you to move in with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, you know, that goes against what the scripture says. So you need that third party to, to help you uh, discern all that. But the point is, is that when God speaks, we need to put it to the test. We put it to the test of scripture, and we put it to the test of what other mature believers might say to us. Now, the third thing that I want you to think about with me today from this story, the third test is the test of our attitude. And that is, are we really listening to God or are we just trying to get our way? So here's the, here's the thing. When Samuel hears God speak, he was very humble. He was very surrendered to what God... He's very teachable in that moment. And, and that's the attitude that he models for us. The Lord came and called before Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. So you see, he says, man, I'm your servant. That means what? Whatever you want is what I want. He says, I'm listening. I'm paying attention to whatever you want to do. I'm all yours here in this situation. And that's the attitude, I think, on our part, too, that, that unlocks the sense of God's leading in our lives. That we say, yeah, God, we're willing to... Why, why would God speak and why would he lead and guide us if, we're, if, we're, if our attitude is like, no, God, I'm not going to do... Whatever you say, I'm not going to do it. And so... Realistically, here, here, here's the thing. It's like you might hear from God. You might hear our sense, get this impression, this nudge, this prompting from God. And it might be something that you didn't want to hear. You're reading in the Bible and the pages of Scripture and you're going to come across what God's saying to you in the, in the Word of God. It might be something you didn't want to hear. It goes against what you desire emotionally, whatever you want in your life. And, and so what are you going to do with that? 
Or you might have this sense of God leading, this nudging from God, and it might be something that's hard to do. So how are you going to respond to that? Well, let's see that in the story. The Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I've warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So remember, Eli's sons were, were living sinfully. They were, <clears throat> they were bringing, um, giving God a bad name by how they acted as priests. They were fleecing the flock. And so God had warned Eli, you've got to take care of your family. And eventually Eli didn't. So God said, okay, I'm, I'm done. My patience is done. I'm going to give this role to somebody else. So put yourself in Samuel's shoes. He's, he's a boy. Maybe he's a young teen. And the very, very first time he hears anything from God, it's not a fun message. It's not something encouraging. And so this is going to be a hard thing for him to do. In verse 15, Samuel stays in bed until morning and then got up and opened the doors of the tabernacle as usual. <clears throat> but he was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him. But Eli called out to him, Samuel, my son, here I am, Samuel replied, what did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything. Oh my gosh, so this, this is like, like Samuel doesn't want to say what God told him to say. So he's procrastinating the whole thing. I mean, this is a heavy message, and so he's afraid to bring it up. And so he puts it off, puts it off until Eli kind of takes the initiative and pulls it out of him. And, <clears throat> and what did God say? You know, I mean, Eli, this is his mentor. This is his spiritual father. How do you give a guy that you love like that a message like this? But... Samuel was obedient to what God said to him. He told Eli everything. He didn't hold anything back. It's the Lord's will, Eli replied. Let him do what he thinks best. So Samuel grew up. The Lord was with him. Everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. So here, here's the test. The test is our attitude. Am I willing to obey God with what he says or not? You know, am I... Am I seeking God's will so that I can do what he wants, or am I just looking for God to validate what I already want? And so, really, the, the Bible gives us this assurance that when I'm humble before God, when I'm pliable to his will, when I'm surrendered to him, then he will guide, he will lead. I can count on that. It says it in Psalm 32. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. So, you know, a mule doesn't, maybe it's known for not voluntarily wanting to go where it want, it, someone wants to lead it. And so he says, with a mule, you have to Im inflict some discomfort or even pain. That's what a bit in the animal's mouth is. It's not comfortable. It hurts. And so the animal will comply. God says, I don't, as my people, I don't want you to be like that. Don't make me have to put discomfort or even pain into your life to get you to do what, what I know is best for you. But it says, look, when we're, when we're humble before God, when we're surrendered to God, when we're willing to do whatever God, we come to it in that framework, in that attitude, this God will guide. God says, I will guide you. I will take you in the very best path of your life. I will advise you. God says, I will, essentially, he says, I will speak to your life and you will hear from me. Here's how Jesus put it. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. 
Now, when he talks, talks about his sheep, he's talking about people who, who are in relationship with him eternally, people who are followers of Jesus. And I know in a room this size, a crowd of this size, that, that many of you are followers of Jesus, and, and some of you probably aren't. I don't know that. Thankfully, Jesus says he knows that, right? <clears throat> but he says, if you're my sheep, if you're a follower of me, he says, there's three things here. He says, number one, you're going you're gonna to want to listen to my voice. You're going to be listening for my leading and my instruction. And he says, second thing, I know you. I know your situation. I know your needs. I know the things you're struggling with, the questions that you have. And the third thing he says is, what, you know what? You're going to follow me. This is the attitude that I'm talking about today. That we're seeking God. We hear from God. <clears throat> he gives us a leading that we desire, whether it's through the Bible or through the counsel of someone else or whether it's that still, that little small voice in our own spirit. He gives us the leading that we desire. And the attitude is then we don't just say, okay, God, I pick my way over yours. I'm just going to do whatever I want anyway. Why would God, why would God lead us then? So let me give you, let me tell you a little bit of a story in my own life. How, one of the ways that I learned this a few years ago uh, it was before Sally and I got married, and I had been, um, my wife had died two, week, two years before, so I was, about two years I was, you know, single and living on my own, and around, around that time, I, I fell for somebody, and we started a dating relationship with this person, and she's a great person, and she's a Christian and everything, and, and, um, and I thought, you know, having been bereaved, and I thought, yeah, maybe this is God's provision for me, for this relationship, maybe it's God's provision for me. And I was, to tell you, I was very unobjective. I was extremely infatuated at that time, okay? So one day, um, I'm driving home on a Sunday from, I had preached at a friend's church about an hour away, so I'm driving, I had this long drive home, <clears throat> and I'm thinking about it, and, and start, a, a feeling starts coming over me, a feeling of conviction, a sense of conviction, it's growing as I'm driving along, it's growing and growing, and I just feel this like, ah, uh-oh, uh-oh, what's going on, you know? And the conviction was that the, the, I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me, you need to, you need to break off that relationship. Now, I'm not going to give you all the reasons why and everything that were, that were a part of that, but there was this, this sense, and I couldn't escape it. It, it took, went all the way home with me. You know what? I did not want to do that. I, I wanted that relationship. I wanted whatever that I thought that represented to me. So, so I put it to the test. I went home and I, the whole afternoon, the evening, I just opened my Bible and I, and I went through all the passages that I could think of that would speak to this issue. Passages about relationships, about men and women and all the rest. <clears throat> and everything I read in Scripture confirmed that, that dreadful sense of conviction that the Holy Spirit had put in my heart. Says, okay, the next morning, it's got, gotten kind of late, so the next morning, I called one of the other pastors here at Alpine Church, someone who I um, was close to and who knew my story and my situation, and I, and I talked to him, and we talked for a long time about it, and we processed it together, and as we talked about it together, basically, that counsel confirmed that sense of what the Holy Spirit was telling me. And so, that night, I had a very difficult conversation with somebody. And, and cut it off. You know, I have to tell you, in, in retrospect, I mean, at the time, I can see it differently now, but at the time, that was like, like taking a knife and cutting my own heart out. And the next few weeks were pretty difficult for me. But, you know, in Psalm 32, we said that, that God will guide us into the best that he has for us. 
And what I learned afterwards, God's plans always are best. When I listen to God and I follow through on what he says, it is going to be God's best for me. So what I learned in retrospect is that if I had hung on to my own desires to continue in that relationship, and if I hadn't listened to what God was saying to me, then I would never have connected with Sally. And in fact, it was just like, it was a pivotal thing that, that got me, you know, thinking that about a month later, we had our first date. And, and now God has, really has provided for me. And he's given me a partner who's just like, I can't imagine anybody more perfect for me in, in the way that we're compatible. And, and we've had now seven great years of marriage. And so that's, that's one of my stories about learning how to listen to God and what, and what I learned from that. So I just want to tell you that, that God will speak into our lives. That's part of what a relationship with a person involves, right? A relationship with God. We can tell him anything. And he's also going to speak back to us, whether it's through his word or through a, um, counsel of others or through that impression to our spirit. That's part of what a relationship is all about. And so if you have not entered that relationship with God, then... You know, he's waiting for you. He's ready for you. You can, you can know God that way. And maybe even this morning, you sense his voice speaking to your heart, convicting you about all the things that you know are wrong with him, all the things that you know are wrong in your life with respect to God and the things, areas where you've blown it and where you need his forgiveness. And, and, and you can sense his, his spirit nudging you in those areas, making you aware of them. Or maybe you can sense... God's Spirit speaking to you, calling you, inviting you, wooing you to give your life to Him today, to entrust your life and your eternity into His hands. His voice is calling you. How are you going to respond to His voice today? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you're not just some abstract God out in the middle of the universe somewhere, just some kind of vague idea but that you're real and you're alive and you know us, you want to know us and, and you want to connect with us and live in relationship with us. And so, Father, we, <clears throat> we just ask you to make that real and alive in our hearts. Number one, God, we, we just want to know your, know your word better and open the Bible and, and hear, hear your voice. Not open it as, a, as just ink on a page, but open it as your voice speaking to us speaking through those words to us. And Father, we want to cultivate relationships with people that are going to be able to, to speak into our lives in positive, constructive ways. And more than anything today, God, we just want to be surrendered to you. Say, we want your, we want your will in our lives. We want your best. We want to follow where you want to lead us. And we want to put our own ideas in second place and put you at the heart and the center, and we want to follow wherever you lead today, God. So we ask that you'd speak to us. We ask that, that you'd help us to cultivate this kind of relationship with you that is just that intimate. And we pray, Father, that for those who are on the verge of entering into that kind of relationship, your voice is speaking and calling them to surrender to you, to give their life to you, to trust their eternity to you, Father, that we, all of us, heed whatever it is you're saying to us today. And we pray it in Jesus' name for his honor and glory. Amen.